So we back with episode goddamn 31. 31. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you follow us on goddamn Instagram at what's really going. Follow us on Twitter at underscore WRGO. There you go. Follow us on or subscribe on our YouTube page at what's really going. Um uh, where sure. where we just put up a little little video. Oh yeah, make sure you tune into YouTube. that video. That's what's a really good going video. on on the streets, um, monthly video for y'all. Yeah, 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 that was a good video. Make sure good you check content. it out. Uh, subscribe on uh, Spotify. Uh, what's really going on? Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, yeah, SoundCloud, make sure, SoundCloud, the OG. the OG. Yeah, we out there, man. You know what I'm saying? Make sure you tune in. Check out what's going on. You ready to get into it? Yeah, we about to get into right, it. So it's food for thought. Yeah. I don't even know what the first thing is. All right, so. Another portion <laughs> bill. Another portion bill. It's going all over the place. So, as always, we try to keep you posted on what's really going on in, in the state. So, Governor John Bell Edwards, uh, the governor of Louisiana. A Democrat. That's uh, what threw me off about this. Right. He signed a bill banning abortion after the detection of a heartbeat, which can, be te- which can occur after six weeks of a pregnancy. This is the sixth type of bill to be passed in recent months and doesn't include exceptions for rape and incest. The other bills were Georgia, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Ohio. This bill won't take effect unless Mississippi's law is upheld in federal court. When I first read this, I said, wait, doesn't Louisiana have a Democratic governor? Yes, they do. What that's, what threw, that's what like threw me off, but what we talk about later on in the docket, it like it's starting to make like this. Actually, the doctor is gonna kind of like build up to like a whole political theory of like, right. wow, what the fuck is going no, on in right. America? Um, but with this specifically, it's one with it. What it's kind of saying is not gonna take effect until Mississippi's bill is upheld in like federal court. I see that as like a kind of like mm, because it's like promising, but yeah, not. <laughs> like it's like mm, because it. I don't know what who the judges are right. in the federal and, court of and Mississippi. Trump and the Senate are right. judges left and right. And, right. And that's we talked about this a few episodes, how like the Republicans have like for a long time been going after the judicial committee like branch yeah. to like appoint judges because those are long term effects. That those are long lasting effects. And that's why like for instance abortion has come back up because we recently put a Supreme Court justice up who could possibly make robust way like not important right, yeah. no more. So all of this stuff is just like all coming to an end. It's like a puzzle. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Um, but for a Democratic governor to pass, it's kind of like, mm, what does our party really? Well, y'all, I'm like, it's hard for me to say. I'm not registered. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm registered right. voter. When I say y'all, because like I don't like to identify as a Democrat because I don't really understand what the hell that means for real. Besides, like believing in what student debt reform, maybe police reform, and uh, healthcare, and may, like okay, whatever. I'm an independent. Whatever benefits me and my family and my culture, my people. I'm a message job through like the recent history democrats have been these people so like for him to sign this it's crazy especially because the other day i seen like new york trying to make prostitution legal so for like the two different controversies like all over the place yeah like how how is this country actually progressing in the sense of like 
us like trying to build something to help our people and not harm our people, like abortion is going to directly affect black and brown people. And with that being said, it's kind of like in a place like Louisiana, I would assume that's more of a blue state. So I'm assuming it's more of a diverse place where it's more black and brown people, which are going to be affected by these type of rules or legislation. So it's like, it's, you know, it's... I mean, it's concerning. I think yeah. that especially, and I mean, we're going to get into this later, so I'm going to save it, but especially in the climate now, you would think that a Democratic governor would take their ability to control, to basically say the buck stops with me on legislation. you think that they would take that responsibility even greater to say, I'm going to protect this because it literally does stop with me. I'm exactly. Sure, like, exactly. We didn't okay. do any research on the, on the Louisiana state legislature, but I'm sure that's controlled by Republicans. So he can say, whatever y'all do, if y'all, y'all better have a veto proof majority because I'm not signing shit. (laughs) You know, like you feel what I'm saying? Like he has that kind of power. And I think he has said, like, he believes that he, he said that, and I'll give him credit for this. He said he ran as a pro-life governor and he's following on that commitment. I just think that at the time now, that's especially to sign something that's, and I think this is it. There's a difference between being pro-life and being in signing this bill. (laughs) Because this bill is on the ultimate extreme end. It's basically saying, like, oh, it bans abortions after six weeks, after the detection of heartbeat. Some people don't know right. they're pregnant at like, that point. So it's like you're basically doing what Republican state legislatures are doing and what extreme, like, for you to be on the same list as Georgia. And we've talked about that. That's crazy. Like, yeah. that's, you can't even have, like, a natural kind of. So, well, that's not the last thing. Oh, yeah. Next topic. Also I mean, related, <laughs> right? This is kind of like do your big fat. Yeah. Um. So Illinois is working to strengthen abortion, uh, strengthen abortion. Illinois state passed a, a bill to make abortion a fundamental right. Uh, also repeals the nineteen seventy five law and then provisions for waiting periods and criminal penalties. So I think that's a minor step in yeah. the right direction. Um, that they're trying to in some way protect women's rights. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, one, it's like weird that it's just also how our, our government works, where it's like there's federal legislation and then there's state legislation, and those can differ. And I think, like we always say, like this stresses the importance of actually voting every election because stuff like this, when you vote in your, for your, like for your state house people, or your state senate person, that stuff does eventually have consequences. Like, no, facts, facts. So, shout out to them. Yeah, one step forward, yeah, one step back. back. But, uh, <laughs> That's yeah. what they're saying, so, man. I'll take the next one. So um, this food for thought. You know, we like to challenge <laughs> challenge the mind here. So Go-Go Music legislation has been introduced in D.C. Council member uh, Kenyon McDuffie, uh, War 5 in Northeast, for those in the district, introduced the Go-Go Official Music of the District of Columbia Designation Act of 2019 in response to the Don't Mute D.C. movement. The law proclaims Gogo the official genre of the city and will require Mayor. I always have a trouble. Mayor wow. Mariel Bowser. <laughs> That's like a. Um, it's ugly. To, <laughs> to implement a program to, and I quote, support, preserve, and archive Gogo music. Um, of course, the underlying issue is gentrification on black residents, business, and culture. A study by the National Community Reinvestment Coalition identified DC as having the highest percentage of gentrified neighborhoods in the US. They estimated 20,000 black residents were displaced between 2000 and 2013. I have have thoughts about this. Yeah, especially (laughs) because I was reading today, Howard 
Some, you know, across the street from the uh, hospital, yeah. it's two buildings. This is a little bit off top of my back. Um, it's two buildings. I'm gonna make it all connect. Okay, all right, it's two that. buildings that they sold. That's gonna be turned into like a hotel, luxury supposedly luxury condominiums, and a public park. When we just were protesting about them walking dogs on the campus, so it's like what? And then to bring it full circle for it, twenty thousand black residents to be displaced, that's only gonna add more problems to like more to that and number. Only, and that's from twenty thirteen. I that's, can't imagine now. Like that, you know what I'm saying? Right. That's like uh, and that's why me this uh you just hate to see it. And then for Mir- Muriel Bowser, like she is for all of the gentrification, bringing businesses to DC and all of this. So I'm curious to see if she's going to sign this for real. I think she's going to. I think she has to. But I think there's a difference between something being. Is it right? Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, random thoughts are. Um, there's a difference between something being like. <laughs> Symbolic and something being like of substance. I think this is like, quite frankly, I think it's cute. It's nice to say like, "Hey, in writing, we have something that says GoGo is the official." But what is going to do? But like, if you live in a certain neighborhood that is being threatened by taxes being increased or you can't afford property taxes, okay, GoGo is the official language, but I still can't. <laughs> you like what's? I still don't have assistance on the difference between the rent right. that it was and what it is now. Right. And then the problem is I don't it's nothing like particularly in place to like protect these people per se because what happens is the they they're like in Southeast what's getting ready to happen or was already started happening with like the waterfront for instance. I went or the yeah. wharf. I I've went known. down there and like the whole walk it, the front of it is like an amusement park almost. Yeah. Totally but different. if you walk literally a block, block <laughs> yeah. like you can from the war, you're looking at the water that you turn here, you can still see like I don't want to say projects, but like rundown buildings. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's just kind of it's annoying because those same people like that building's gonna get bought out or they're gonna renovate it and then the rent's gonna go up and the it's like, gonna be able to afford it. Yeah, they're not gonna be able to live anywhere else in the, barely anywhere else in the city. And that's the thing, like they're just slowly pushing people out, and the more you push them out, where are they gonna go? Where are they gonna go? So I think that's my. I think like it's nice. It's it's always good to have something that in writing that says like, "Hey, this is the official music," but like, we need something else. Like there's like a next step that needs to happen. That's not. I agree with you, man. Um, do you want to talk about this? Because you you put this in the doc. Uh, yeah, it kind of like threw me off a little bit. Uh, so California Assembly approves bill to deter deadly, <clears throat> deadly police shootings. Uh, law would allow police to use deadly force only when it is necessary uh, to defend against intimate. Excuse me. <clears throat> <laughs> oh snap! My bad. Threat or death or serious injury. Uh, it sparked over the death of Stephon Clark. You know, last year in Sacramento. Sacramento. Played the video. That was rough. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, it requires training for officers on ways to de-escalate confrontation, alternatives to their opening fire, and ways to interact with persons with mental illness. Illnesses. Robert Weisberg, Stanford Criminal Justice Center, said the measure will improve police training, but the word necessarily doesn't really change anything. But 
because necessaries are always going to be subject to court interpretation, what I definitely agree with. Uh, the amendment, it, there was an amendment uh, that was in place and it was, it was removed in an explicit definition of necessary saying when there's no reasonable alternative and another requiring officers to de-escalate the confrontation before using deadly force. So it's a lot to unpack. Yeah, um, because when I was reading the article, it did throw me off because I was reading. And I was like, wait. It's a did good I thing, just, but you're right. Like, yeah, did, I just, did I read it right or something? Because like it had an amendment in there that defined necessary, but then like they voted it out. They voted it out. And then it was like two comments where like somebody was for it and somebody was against it. I'm like, right. And then none of the language got in the bill on it. And it was just like, and then they just basically signed a bill in place where a police can only use deadly force when it is necessary. And when you think about the word necessary, it's like, that's a gray area. Very much so. What is necessary? Right. Because I remember when we were first texting about this, even before I think we had all kind of really read it, we both said, like, what does... We both we all had said that our greatest fear was that they were just going to say, hey, court, you decide, or hey, judge, hey, jury, you decide what's necessary. necessary right. And then they're going to bring the officer up who's going to say, oh, I just felt threatened. And they're going to take that as word as bond, and the other person can't speak for themselves because they might be dead. Exactly. So, like, I think that's... This is the same... Yeah, to like, me, it's going to be the same thing that's going to happen. I mean, I guess it says, hey, we're trying... But we need to better define these words or put policies in place that hold police accountable in the, accountable in these situations. Like I was just watching the video the other day. Don't know what happened. Don't know what's going on. But dude was in the middle of the street. Like, and it was 10 police officers surrounding him, like, with guns, like, just, like, yeah. aimed at him. And I'm like... Is this necessary? Like and shoot him right, and if he was to make the wrong move, sneeze, right, <laughs> sneeze, it's like the wrong move, you're dead. And like, I don't understand why, po like, police, it's not your job to come and intimidate people. You're here to help the community, like, protect make it and, safe, protect and, serve. protect and serve. How are you here? Like, it's just gross to see, and it's so annoying that it's been happening so, for so many years and there has not been a lot of progress for real. right and i think what i mean the bill does do some good things but i think every bill which we've kind of talked about has said like oh it's going to deal with like training and it's going to deal with this and i think at a certain point like yeah police officers have a hard job but it's kind of thing of like if there's no punishment for a reckless behavior not to say that in the heat of the moment that might impact you but i think it would if someone knows oh shit if i if i use unnecessary force in a in a spot where it's even questionable or it's just unnecessary if i know i'm going to get harmed for this or if i know someone's going to hit me back for this whether it's the state whether it's the police department I'm pretty sure that person think will about think it twice. twice. Exactly. Right. Like you won't wild at it out your job if it's your boss. Exactly. You to do but if somebody under you, you'd be like, that person just say nothing. Hold on, dog. But and then my thing is the the police be working to cover this stuff up. That just randomly plot in my head what I was about to say. Um Hotep Henry. Episode <laughs> one. 
<laughs> now, for real, like, my thing with this is police have other ways of de-escalating the situation. And that's what the amendment, that's what some of the language had talked about, where it was like, they should only use deadly force if everything else goes wrong. And if they, it, it, I mean, this is what you talked about. It defined what necessary is, but it also, one of the amendments said specifically, I think, um, that like, if there's no reasonable alternative, even if you put that in, if you if you just take that out instead of just saying necessary, that's totally different because they can be like, well, you had this as an alternative, didn't you? A lawyer who's arguing for their client who got that's shot a defense. can literally say you had other reasonable alternatives. This person was 30 feet away. They did not have a weapon, but you shot them right. and without then, charging at you. Right. What was your reason? Exactly. And then with the re- like reasonable alternative, like with like if that wasn't amended, that within itself would be a really big deal. It would be because it it puts people in a position like let's say like this was in the court and the defense attorney's argument is like that creates reasonable doubt like in that situation. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. If I think about this real, okay, the dude was robbing the store and he was right. running really fast and the police found him running down the alley and then he pulled out his gun and shot him. It's like, okay. you could have tased him. You could have chased him. You could have, I don't know. Like, right. you did not have to shoot this man. Right. Like, or right. shoot to kill. You could have, like, and everything too. Like, there's other ways of handling these situations when they happen. And I honestly, it, it be, to me, I just don't, I don't know. Because, like, to try to be the devil advocate real quick, if you put yourself in the officer's shoes and I'm like... That's a tough situation. Right. It is a tough situation to be in. But... But, at the but, same, I, think there, but I think there is a but in that. It is, because it's like, in those situations, you got to think, it's somebody like other... Somebody else is in this situation. I can... Like, my fire time, or I don't know the proper gun terminology for it, but uh like the fire time like you if he got a gun you can see him pull it out but or something like you have a reaction time right or whatever and I think also it's just a matter and then we'll move on to the next thing i just think it's a matter of those decisions are literally oftentimes life and death and the officer can feel the same way on their end but you have that you you have a gun. That's so that's so much responsibility, right? And you can't risk someone else's life because you might have a preconceived notion about who they are. Exactly, and, and that's, that's that's the bigger that's problem. where it gets problematic. That's the bigger because problem because you're drawing because you just see conclusion. a black person, yeah. And you don't and know. that's the bigger problem. Right. And you that's just, the like problem. you're drawing yeah. conclusions behind the situation because you you're assuming. That because it's a black male and he looks like a thug, he's gonna have a gun. And it's like, right. yeah. Like, it's a lot of pressure on a police officer, but there's certain stuff you cannot do. Yeah. So, so now we're gonna get into, we're gonna kind of run through a couple Listen, things. Listen, public service announcement. Anybody watching this that will watch it, listen to it, might listen to it, heard about it. Meek Mill, we have talked about you every, like every, oh, uh, listen, we need you on the podcast, bro. We need you on the podcast, bro. That's why Henry's yelling. <laughs> but, right, and they, anyway, 
But no, uh, so my man, is he getting a new uh, hearing uh, in front of a new judge and all that? So Larry Krasner, who's the DA of Pennsylvania or whatever, uh, he filed an appeal with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. The appeal called for a new trial uh, and for Judge Brinkley uh, to uh, basically recuse himself. So that's good. Step in the right direction. Yeah. Shout out to Krasner. Yeah. Also talked about him. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And he uh, is going to the Supreme Court. So. Uh, hopefully, you know what I'm saying, it works in Are you going to the Supreme Court? Yeah. To, so coming to you live from the Supreme Court. No, the Pennsylvania. Oh, I was about to say. The what's, Pennsylvania. What's really going on on the Hill? <laughs> special episode? <laughs> the Pennsylvania <laughs> Supreme Court, sir. You can make a quick, nah, Harrisburg sounds far. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, keep your eye out for that. Um, in other new, in, in other Mr. President, he's wilding out. Um, this man been wilding. Wilding out. We're going to get into that. Uh, so Trump banned travel to Cuba. Uh, so last week, uh, the Trump administration imposed travel restrictions on Cuba, banning forms of educational and recreational travel. I went last November. So bless shout up. Shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to me. I didn't go. It's too bad. <laughs> uh, the administration cited Cuban, the Cuban government support for Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro as their main reason. This will hurt the Cuban uh, economy severely. Um, some suggest the move could be an attempt to draw Cuban voters in Florida leading up to the 2020 election who did play a role in the swing state going for Trump in 2014 and 2016. Good quote I found on Reuters. Shout out to them. Someone said, Cuba is the only country we are not allowed to go to. We can go to Russia, but for some reason, Trump has something against Cuba. Game. <laughs> that person. I mean, like, I think, uh, like, I, I just, I don't get it. And, and, and like this goes it. into like decades long history again. Yeah, it does go. But why are we like them in the first place again? Because if you're not a capitalist society, we don't like you. And Indeed. Russia had had used them to try to get at us. But that's what it's it funny because when right? I and this is like a brief history moment. Like when I went down to Cuba, granted the person I was talking to was like our age, and he was like one of our tour guides, and he was just kind of saying like. That shit was between you and Russia. We were just kind of the middleman, and then they weren't going to go at Russia, so they took it out on us. He was like, That's we were just kind of like, what you want? We're cute. I what you want us to they, do? They said they had a missile shooting at us, right? Right, in, and, and they Cuba. were like, and Russia was yeah. like, all right, we're going to put missiles in Cuba. So they were basically just kind of like, well, that shit was between y'all. We attached ourselves to Russia because they were giving us some stuff. Right, they was helping us out. What you want us to do? And I think that... Uh, I don't know. It just has a bad. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Like, right. uh, also, I got a question though. Because yes, you said, how did the Cubans play a part? This, the twenty twenty. Oh how yeah, they yeah. gonna play in effect because because a lot of Cuban voters are actually um, conservative, and a lot of the Cubans who came, either their grandparents or their parents, might have fled from Cuba in the sixties. So they're on this like F Cuba stuff. Like, I don't want be associated, right? Because they might have gotten like political exile. They might have, even though there are like some kind of deeper, not issues, but there are some kind of deeper things of like the Cubans who actually got to leave. So you think Trump, Trump just plot? I mean, some suggest. Granted, Trump's not out here saying like, "Hmm, if I do this, he plotted now." But damn it! But I think he, I think it has. I think his advisors said like, "Hey, if you do this, you know, hey. he's round his voters up early, boy." He is. He round them up so early. That's all I'm gonna say. Cause bro, while um, Speaking but I feel like when we win this Democrat 
when the uh, Democrats get the presidency back, what they about to get in 2020, this going to go back to like, I feel like it's going to change. This is the Obama era. Yeah. Where it's like, y'all can go. Basically. Yeah. I yeah. think we're going to, we're going to keep it going on IG Live. How long are we going to do this, by the way? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's like, a couple of people tuned in. 25 minutes in. Shout out to the people who tuned in. We well. appreciate y'all. Uh, so let's do the Hyde Amendment. Uh, so, yeah, boy. Here we got the clip queued up. We're going to do that. For many years as U.S. Senator, I have, uh, I have supported the Hyde Amendment like many, many others have. Because there was sufficient monies and circumstances where women were able to exercise that right if I believe healthcare is a right as I do, I can no longer support an amendment that makes that right dependent on someone's zip code. All right, so that was former vice president and presidential hopeful and leading candidate, Joseph Robinette Biden. You know how I feel about your boy. I know, we'll talk about it. So last week, so that, that what Henry just played was a couple days ago, but last week, um, Biden announced his support for the Hyde Amendment which banned federal funds from being used on abortions for people on Medicaid, which is uh, basically a public service that goes to low-income people. Um, but he later reversed his opinion after intense political backlash. Biden said his views changed after watching states pass restrictive abortion laws. We're going to get into that later. Trust me, I'm flag on that. Um, the reversal does help him. 31% of Democratic primary voters said they were more likely to reverse his position after he changed his stance. 19 said they were less likely. My thing is, face ass. What? <laughs> Pause this and whoop your ass real quick. Okay, All right. Now, sorry, we're still recording. <laughs> um, he said that his views changed after watching states pass restrictive abortion laws. When he said it, there were already states that were passing restrictive abortion laws. We talked about Georgia and Missouri three weeks ago, and we talked about the heartbeat bill in Ohio five weeks ago, and he said this last week. My only thing is what, if, I, if I'm taking him at his word, what changed where you said, oh wait, in the last couple of days, I've seen a lot of restrictive abortion laws. Oh my gosh, did you know about this? Okay, I, no, we can't do this. That was already in effect when you said this. My thing So like him, clearly, something- he's trolling a lot too. Like, <laughs> does he, like, that's the only part that bothers me. This would probably go into the question I had before we started question, like with this next year with the cop, cop, Coke, Coke, Coke brothers, Coke. Because, like, for him to do this, of course, that's like a more toward the right. Mm-hmm. It's more like middle ground, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like for Biden to do this, and then the governor of Louisiana to sign that bill, and. What's gonna be? Who's gonna be the next Democrat to support this? So it's kind of like who's on the people's side. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the really frustrating part is that oh, I'll keep talking. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? No, I'm just gonna make sure the possible. Great podcasting, by the way. Um, no, I just think that's, and I think it's tough because I think that Democrats did support, have supported the Hyde Amendment, and I think. When Biden supported it, there was a lot of stuff on the Affordable Care Act. There were some Democrats who were saying, like, because of, like, certain abortion stuff, I'm not going to, like, pass it. And Biden basically had to be like, okay, like, we're going to try to – some part of, like, Biden having that stance did help in them passing the Affordable Care Act because some people weren't ready to get there yet. But I think in today, I think it's, one, it's understanding 
it's hard because I would rather him have that view and just stick with it and just be like, this is what I believe. Here's my reasons why I support all these other things, but the Hyde Amendment specifically, I'm in support of that. I have throughout my entire career. Or else, even if he made a reversal. Have more definitive reasons. Or, right. This little, because I've seen more people. Like, I just don't believe that. Right. Which is bad. But I think. What? My thing with him, again, he's trying to, like, he's doing a lot. It's the time where people start to switch up. And I don't have no time. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Too much at stake, man. Like. I'm a grown person. These tax bills y'all pushing, these yeah. healthcare bills y'all putting in place, all that, that affects me now. So I, I'm not with it. I need to know what you're standing for. And like, nah, him flipping, like this is not cool for right. me personally. And that's why I still feel the way I feel about him. He like that's like the criminal bill. Oh, I, I felt now I understand how it that one I'm yeah. more sympath I'm not more sympathetic toward. But I think look, and I think it's like what this, bro? this is how I feel. I think that a part of me as a person, I'm going to allow you the room to say, like, hey, I felt this at the time and I was wrong. I generally believe that he looks at that and says, like, yeah, I fucked that up. Like I'm I was wrong on this. This just seems more like a political calculation where it's like what do the voters feel? And this is how like I'm responding to it. I can and I think, but I, I just think in general, <laughs> I, I I get what I get what you're coming from. I just think in general, I think that oftentimes we're I'm trying to word this right because I think this doesn't necessarily apply to Biden, but I think in general, I think this is the way I'm trying to view 2020 candidates. If they've had a stance that I don't like and they've changed it. Are they describing why they change it and why they felt they were wrong in a real sense? Because there's something to like saying, like, I felt this way. I was wrong. I'm owning it. And I've developed like there's nothing wrong with developing on something on an issue. Like, I'm sure I'm sure as we've talked about issues on this podcast, we've evolved on stuff. I get you. It's just when you do it in Biden's way, that's not good. I I can agree. Like people mindsets do evolve. You change. Like that's the process of life. Like growth. Me and my best friend was talking about this other day. But my point about Biden is like. He don't grow in two days. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This short of a time span, especially the timing of it was just like, huh? What? What? Yeah, so, so I'm gonna just keep my eye on him. I've already said like in the general election thing, I'm not voting for my man's primary. Cause he gonna win it. He's gonna win the primary. Let's talk about that next episode. Whatever. So now to Henry's favorite two brothers, who we cannot halfway pronounce. Cops fuck these motherfucking. All right, Excuse so me, guys. Excuse my language. So we have this topic as the Koch brothers versus AOC. So David and Charles Koch, um, two brothers, obviously. They're two businessmen. They are estimated each worth at $50 billion, and they've spent uh, maybe a billion, I can't even tell, through research, which really says something as someone in political finance. If I can't really track how much you've given, that's a problem. Let me get one. Um, so they've basically contributed hundreds of millions to political contributions to politicians, think tanks, and political organizations. Um, for context, uh, the Republican tax plan saved their basically their business, Coke Industries, as much as $1.8 billion. I wonder where that money is going. Um, they've really involved themselves in um, the Democratic side, but they basically, in a memo internally, they said that their strategy is to prevent 
challengers like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ayanna Presley, and Ilan Omar. Shout out to them. We talk about them also a lot. Um, they've, they're now going to try them to prevent them from winning in 2020, which is, for me, that's very concerning. That's what I was saying. That's concerning. <laughs> that's what my comment in the previous little topic was about, because basically they're going to find more candidates who wouldn't usually get recognized to pull them into like pushing more conservative like legislation. Yes and no, but it also might be more in house like incumbents. Like Ayanna or Alexandria AOC, she defeated a 14 term member of Congress. So in that case, let's say Henry Woods is like the next upstart AOC running out of Georgia. You're running against a member who's already in office in a primary who's also a Democrat. They're gonna be like, F that Henry guy who's coming up for the people getting all these folks riled up. We're going to support the five-term congressman who's been there because he we might not agree with him on everything, but he's not just going to straight up F us like he will. You feel me? It's kind of like they're, they're trying to t- – and I think, one, this also, this also goes to the fact that these new members scare them. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> these duh, new members clearly they see are. that they're not with that conservative like they're just not going to bow down traditional be, be, exactly like we're not with that. Um, we here trying to protect the people, and that's what's messed up about this whole thing because it's corrupt politics, and this alone just shows you how up it is. It's money. Like if you ain't got no money behind you, you not don't really come to the table. right and. <clears throat> With all of this, that goes a lot to like how this election about to play out. Who got who got the bigger bag? A lot of it comes down to that. I think someone said um, something about like not every candidate that has the most money wins, but the candidate that has the least won't. <laughs> Which is like, and I think that's something that I think we should eventually talk about, or we will next year. Like, just how much money is involved in this stuff billions of billions of dollars and i think as like i don't make political contributions i just have a vote as someone who's like (laughs) no but i think that's real i think that i think both sides are guilty of this where they talk about like even then they talk about like money and politics but like let's look at some of those victory funds later in the year and we're going to see people cutting six-figure checks seven-figure checks to the dnc to their not their campaign fund, but they're like side kind of campaign. We need to talk about this. And I think both sides are guilty of this, but I think Republicans just do that shit where they're like, like these guys basically say, we're going to cut 50 million to a political organization who's then just going to like contribute to all these candidates and fund these ads and do it like- They funnel the money. Right, man. like watch like for all those, granted it's not election season now, but like watch when you see like this ad was sponsored by the fund to save freedom. They the, they the folks who are sponsoring that stuff. When you when you see a political ad that might not be like I'm this person and I support this message. When you don't see those, always read, always listen to see who's saying it, because it's like the fund to fight freedom or the liberty protects all organization. Look and try to find out who's funding that, because honestly, it's like those billionaires and those super rich guys who have given all their money legally, but are now also sadly legally funding these political organizations. That's, this all goes to money. I don't ever think about it that deep, to be honest, it's but deep. it's like, as someone who's again, in it, corrupt politics, this shit is stupid. Like, why is it just deep? One, 
And then, <laughs> and then two, my thing with it is corrupt. Like, why the are they able to fund this amount? Of money? It should be a cap on this. There's a cap on how much you can give to a campaign. There's no cap on how much you can give to like a political organization or a but, think tank. Like, there should be, or rather, my whole thing is it should all be disclosed. If you yeah, give, it should if be you, public knowledge. It should be. Um, and, but what I'm saying is the with the, the Coke, the Koch, whatever, um, for them to be able to one flip party size like this for their own personal benefits to benefit their corporation so they don't get certain tax cuts and all this. Because, like, I was reading an article uh, with article from Gatting GQ. Um, basically, when ta- when Trump wrote that thing on tax bill, they got a big, yeah, healthy, they got like, like they got 13 all. million. Yeah, they got I'm like, what that. the hell? They got all. That's crazy, man. Like, and I think that's what's going to be more concerning is that a lot of these billionaires and millionaires who supported are Republicans. They just got a big tax break. Their interest is to keep that tax bill going. And they know that with a Democratic House and a Democratic president and maybe even a Democratic Senate, that's unlikely. But maybe that tax break is going bye bye. So who, if you're a rich person who just got five million off in your taxes, where do you think some of that money is going to go to try to? Make sure you protect your assets. <laughs> Anywho, on to more corrupt politics, bruh. Well, I hate to break it to you. Let's go into the next topic. <laughs> uh, Trump wiling part two. So Henry put me on this and doing the research. This is concerning. <laughs> um, so a Trump proposal would change civil liberties, um, dictating whether providers must care for patients who are transgender or have had an abortion. It also weakens protections for um, race and age. So this basically would remove the rule that allows health officials to punish providers for discriminatory behavior. So basically, if your health provider is wilding out saying, oh, we're not going to do it because you're black or you're because you're Muslim, they basically, the Department of Health and Human Services, they're basically going to be like, okay, well, we can't punish them. Moving on, Roger Severino, that name just sounds like that brings trouble, don't it? Um, He's the head of the Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights. He co-authored a paper for the Heritage Foundation, partly funded by the Koch brothers, arguing the Obama-era rules in place restrictions on physicians to follow their religious or moral beliefs. The proposed rule would give Severino the authority to open investigations into complaints. This rule from the housing, uh, from the Health and Human Services um, Department, comes within a week of the housing and urban, de- and comes within a week of a housing and urban development proposal headed by Sir Ben Carson that would allow homeless shelters to turn away people based on their gender identity. My biggest thing was, this shit is crazy. Where the fuck <laughs> like, is this country and I think like, headed? <laughs> but I think this is like the thing where people are like, oh, like Trump's really not doing that much. Federal government's huge, he can do this stuff. <laughs> right, like this is an actual federal government. Bruh, this, this shit crazy, bro. like why the- this, I, you know, it just makes me so angry because it's like, bruh, one, it makes you realize how many of these people are left in the world. And then two, then, it's like, again, like you're saying, people say Trump not really doing anything, but shit like this, 
The, this nigga got pulls and strings and he working and he's actually make he can people lives up, man. Right. Yeah. Because the fact that I can go to a doctor and you say, Oh, I'm not helping you because you're Muslim or like you're black or you're transgender or you identify as something else or whatever. That's crazy. We're a p- American people, right? The land of the free, home of the brave, right? Ain't that the slogan? How the fuck freak? I'm sorry. I'm mad, y'all. No, but I mean, I how the freak are you like discriminate against people? That's not cool, bro. Like, this is not cool, man. This is not cool. Bro. I mean, I think it's like the kind of thing of like where, like you said, Trump's actually doing stuff, even if it might not seem like, oh, he passed his policy or he's doing this. Like, Trump is the person, he is the administrator of like the federal government. And right. he has and the, and he had the authority to hire people. Effects. Like long term effects. Right. And I think one is just the kind of thing of like I mean, we remember when we talked about this like way back in the day. This is like a WRGO archive, when basically Trump was like, I'm going to remove the civil rights office in the Justice Department. Or he's like, I'm going to shrink it. And like, this is the stuff he can do, where it's like, I'm going to appoint someone to the Health and Human Service Office of Civil Rights who don't give a shit about civil, who literally published papers about limiting civil rights. I can do that because it's my government now. And that's like the concerning thing is that the president has the authority to hire people who are then really in control of these. Like Trump, he said Trump doesn't know the other about day. This. He said he was in control of everything. I, well, I I'm looking around. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but I think that that's to me is the most concerning part is that I'm sure Trump does not know about this. This is not on his radar. Roger Severino knows about this. He's gonna be making this his life's goal to be like, oh, Henry won't care. <laughs> you thought who? Like. It's people like that like, who are really the ones that we should really concern because really, they're yeah. they're. I'm not gonna say they're smart, but they know what they're doing. Trump doesn't. He he's can the, actually. He can actually. Yeah. He can actually implement this shit. Yeah, he's a and that's puppeteer. the scary well, part. He he's the puppeteer, but he got people behind him. But it's also like, like people like this who are strings. implement because, like, I'm sure if someone asked Trump about this, he'd be like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. And Joe Severino be like. <laughs> Next question. Right. <laughs> He's standing behind him like like an evil genius. Yeah. And like, this shit is crazy. Like, let's not talk about that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're going to get to the big, big fights. Why I do it? Yeah. All right. So, I'm going to yeah, play this clip for y'all, and then we'll really get into it. What do you want to say about this cycle that you now have been a huge part of, of injustice <laughs> and racism? Mm. You know, here we are, um, 30 years later, and not too many things have changed. You know, um, like you said, we're all connected. Yeah. We're just a modern day Scottsboro's boys. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's all the same thing. So I'm so happy and ecstatic that we can start the conversation now and to make sure there will no, never be another Century Park Five and make sure we have the platform to make sure of that. So. I, I understand what Intron means. It is bittersweet because watching this is painful, but it's necessary. This needs to be watched. We need to make sure things change now. So, I think there are a lot of ways for us to go about this, and I kind of really don't know how we're. All right, so do it, that but. that clip, uh, it 
Thank you. June twelfth today, um, Netflix. It comes out when they see us now. Um, I'm sure, like you guys have probably seen, seen it, it by it. now, but if you haven't, go check that out for sure. Uh, well, yeah, when they see us, that dropped May thirty first. Um, it what has been the most watched uh, series since it premiered on Netflix, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, we can, how you want to go about this? I mean, I think I'm pretty sure everyone's seen it by now. So I think everyone knows that the film is, or the series is very moving. It's makes you angry. Wait, it's, so we yeah, got to do it like this. Yeah. We got to say their names. Got to say their yeah. names. Give life All right. <clears throat> so Antron McCrick, Corey Wise, Kevin Richardson. Raymond Santana, Yusuf Sloan. Those are the five, well, now grown men um, who were falsely accused and convicted, who spent six to like 13 to 13 years in prison um, for the rape of a New York banker. All all who were jailed between, I think, the ages of 13 and 16? 13 and 16. Um, I mean, I think this is like, it's like hard because it's like so many things. Like, I don't want to get into like another thing of like okay. us just talking about how it made us feel. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that because <laughs> I feel like everyone's done that. Now. I guess the bigger thing is like the reaction behind it has been so impactful because yeah, it has been. one, a lot of people didn't know about it. I knew about it because I don't even know how I found out about it. Honestly, it wasn't school. No, but of course not. that's how I associated Donald Trump, and yeah, yeah, because if you don't know, this man spent eighty five thousand dollars on ads, put a whole full page in the New York Times, like calling for the death penalty. But um, it's like I, <coughs> I guess I say this: I'm glad that uh, Ivory Duvernay like directed this and produced it and made it happen. Did a great job. Great job. I am sad that the prosecutors and the what the detective she's mm-hmm. just now getting the repercussions for this because it's not like it wasn't public knowledge. They got exonerated in two thousand and two, mm-hmm. um, and for. Seventeen years, later. right? For this, she already got her money. Already got her book. Yeah, she, she. So it's kind of like, huh? And then I don't. Yeah, I'm gonna just throw this in. Shorty got a op. She put an op in the yeah, Wall Street bad. Journal. I did not read it. Have no interest in reading. But basically, yeah, I seen like a clip or like a little snippet of it that said, um, like. I was falsely defamed, and these boards aren't. They, they. I've always said she, it was kind of like. She's basically saying like, okay, they might not have done that, that crime, but they were but they, in this, they were guilty of something so else, right? Right. So we can't basically just assume their innocence because all these people got like hurt in these rot in these so called riots. So these, but well, we can't just assume that these boys are innocent of everything, right? Which was like the worst way to go about it. Which kind of like, which says like her true character, <laughs> but I think and to me it is really frustrating to like witness honestly for her to be able to walk around, profit off of this, and 
still like hold this truth of like these like why don't you just like admit that that you were wrong and let's move on so like i'm pretty sure for the men those men to hear that would be a relief honestly like better thing i don't know if it would i don't i don't know <laughs> i'm just saying for me but it's just crazy. Uh, it's very frustrating to watch or to see how this whole thing played out. But I'm glad. I'm really glad uh, that it was produced. Yeah. I mean, shout out to Netflix for giving Ava the power to do this film. Because I feel like a lot of other people might not have. Not a lot of people would have bucked at it. But I feel like if she gave that script to everybody, she would have got turned down for it. Or been like, this is a little bit too much. Depending, but I feel like also, I think this whole thing and kind of the backlash on the Linda Farstein, I can't, I'm not trying to butcher her last name, sound like I'm anti-Semitic or something, but like, yeah, Um, and we talked about this in the chat where I feel like we said this has to do with kind of things where we, people get backlash when something is immediately in their face, where it's like, oh shoot, I now see this like really clearly, and I think it's like the same way of kind of like how we treat um, men with like domestic violence where it's like unless you see a video you can see it you can like oh this person like assaulted somebody but until you like then you watch a video of someone assaulting a woman or their wife and then you're like oh my goodness we need to like really clap back on this person now where it's like we knew this no that's take not, it at face like, value of like this is what the actions were just because we have, we have an actress playing this person and we see it through a film that's probably even giving it a better light than probably what it what this actually was in real time. Not nah, fast. Um, <laughs> I just think it has to do with like how we kind of and like we're uh, we're to all go to the point of what you're saying now. It uh, it does speak to the power of social media. It does because it does in a positive way. In 2002, way. when they were exonerated, social no, media wasn't, wasn't that really popular. And who's the columnist or the personality? Right, who's, who's going after her? Whatever exactly. Uh, so. You could see why she's now just not yeah. in a repercussion. It's just sad that it took this long. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah, she was forced out of a nonprofit, dropped from her book publisher. Make sure you definitely go check out when they see us now. I'm probably about to watch it like now, um, because that like it brought tears to my eyes. Because for me as a black man, I could see that happening to me. Like yeah. literally, and I'm sure there are countless others who literally, who bro. Like I literally could see that happening to me. Like I thank God, man, because it, it's just crazy. Like, and the fact that this just speaks to a whole like epidemic of like issues that are wrong with the criminal justice system. Like right, this happens right, yeah. so often. This is common, like today. Yeah. So it, it's just, just like the um, guy was saying, like, I don't want this to be a Central Park 5 today. Like, this stuff still happens. And I think that's what, that's why I like what Ava DuVernay said, because um, she kind of just hinted on the fact of that, you know, yeah, Linda Farstein is getting, she's getting hit hard for this, which is important. And the detective and the prosecutor are getting hard for this. But like, this is a systemic thing. Like this is also, it's on them two as detectives and prosecutors. It's on the media for feeding into the narrative of, 
like the sexualization <laughs> of black people and like these black savages. And that, I'm glad it's on the cops they, yeah. for like their tactic. It's like everyone. They did a great job of portraying how the media play its parts because it was like as soon as like of course like when the banker got like like how it played out with the media it was just like the media took once like slither of it and then the more the false information just kept leaking they ran out. with it they just ran tracking, with so. it and ran with it and ran with it and then like the point of being a journalist is to like report the truth or, or uncover it right or try to at least and it was like nobody ever seemed to question like in the movie scene or it was portrayed as no like media didn't seem to nobody question. asked questions right <laughs> it was just like every it was just taken and ran with like these are the like, like we're gonna make an example out of this, and yeah. everybody just kind of fell in line. Yeah. So I think, it, which is why I think it's more important that she highlighted that of that we need to. There's a police issue. There's a judicial issue. There's a media issue. It's level. Everybody to should be questioned. Everybody played his part. So like, I guess Linda Fairstein is like, why me? Like I'm the one, bit girl, boy. If I ever see, huh. yeah. Hmm. And the sad thing is, she's not the only one. We should be questioning a lot of the columnists, a lot of the writers who did stuff, the cops. Like she, everybody she, should be. This shit made me mad, everywhere. So now we're gonna get into some heads up. Yeah, and this is more positive. Yeah, we hope. <laughs> no, too too positive or negative. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Being born to a right, so yeah, I'm gonna play this for you. By my grandparents in Orangeburg, we made do with the opportunities we created for ourselves because that's all we had. And I learned a lot from them too, that real heroes help people, value honesty and loyalty, and that every character's values come from their origin story. Here's mine. I grew up in this house. My grandparents didn't have much, but they raised me right. Taught me what most South Carolinians know. Character counts. Okay, so that's, uh, let's get into that one. Let me get y'all out of here. That's uh, Jamie Harrison. Um, he will run in the South Carolina Senate seat in 2020 against uh, Sir Lindsey Graham. Sad man. Um, but Harrison is a former chief uh, or chairperson of the South Carolina Democratic Party. He was a lobbyist and he is currently, or before he ran for Senate, he was the associate chair of the DNC. He's the first black candidate to run um, for a 20 or declare for a 2020 seat. The third in four years, uh, Mike Espy, who lost in Mississippi in 2018. And Kamala Harris, who won, of course, in 2016. Um, I just think it's good to shout out black candidates because I think I have a long, not a theory, but black candidates don't often win statewide elections. And I think uh, this is just good to put this on people's radar. Yeah. So South Carolinians or whatever you call yourself, you know what I'm saying? Make sure y'all check my man's out. Plus, Lindsey Graham sucks. So. <laughs> right, he, he is. He's uh, got to go. Like, openly racist. Yeah. All right, so um, Robert Smith, you know, the dude, the billionaire who paid all those guys to wish shit. Robert Smith, my invoice is coming for <laughs> Boy, but um, all right, so he created an internship program on um, him. Yeah, so basically, he created an internship program within the STEM program titled Intern X for Black Students. The program would have over a thousand. A thousand students with companies like AT&T, Deloitte, and Citigroup. 
Um, so yes, yeah, the STEM focus program and at like HCU students. Shout out to him. Good job. Ph- philanthropist. <laughs> Not even businessman. Philanthropist. Bro, like, literally, bro. I well, shout out to him. That's great. I aspire to be, you know. Speaking of uh, wealth, um, <laughs> I have this as Rihanna Dalsan. Uh, right. Recently named. She did that. <laughs> um, What'd you say? She did better have my money. It's right. She took off. Yeah. So recently, Forbes named her as the richest female musician with an estimated net worth of six hundred million. Um, so she is the first black woman oh, to lead have. an LVMH fashion house, which includes brands like LV, Dior, YSL, Hublot, Hennessy. Just I found that interesting when I did my research. Um, Rihanna told the New York Times in May, "Money is not um, it for me. It's always the thought that I can help someone else." In 2017, she was named Humanitarian of the Year by Harvard due to her founding of the Clara Leon or Lionel Foundation, which supports global education and health efforts in underserved communities across the globe. Shout out to her for not only make, being on that status, on that wealth, she's worked for it, but, you know, shout out to her. She did you know what I'm saying? Bro, I'm for her. And you, what People that are watching, people that will watch, stop complaining about the prices of Fenty, like Affinity or however it's pronounced. Fenty. Fenty. Uh, yeah, bro. I suck. Nah, I'm, 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 I'm tired. It's a long episode. Yeah, it. I'm tired. But nah, point is, it's a luxury brand. You ain't complaining about how much that goddamn on Gucci and goddamn on Louis Vuitton, goddamn Balenciaga, and whatever fake shit y'all buying. What I'm just playing, but for real, <laughs> listen, support Reed. Like, she the first black woman to do this, man. She's making history, but and not only that, that shit fresh. Like, she, she done herself, where it's like she had the vision and she she's doing it, creative. bro. As a creator myself, <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't want to be able to have Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> As a creator myself, I appreciate her, bro. The enthusiasm. Isn't that in your Instagram bio? Oh, content creator. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Uh, so some more important stuff. You got this because I I know about it. Yeah, so I think um, this is just about Sudan. (laughs) I think there's been a lot of talk about this issue in black circles. Yeah, black social media. That's what I was like. I don't really, yeah. Um, But I think we'll trying to give you all the explanation of like what's happening and what this really is. Um, so it began last year, December 2018, as protests called for the removal of President Bashir, who was in control for 30 years. Um, the country had kind of like an economic downturn um, and there were cuts to like bread and fuel and aid in the country like during the economic collapse. Protests involved over that and they were like, dog, you've been here for 30 years, economic recession, we all struggling, you got to go. Bashir stepped down on April 6th a group of generals who formed um, something called the Transitional Military Council, known as the TMC, assumed power but led violent protests on kind of like this opposition group, which we'll get into. Shout out to Instagram Live. We've been on here so long that they're about to time us out. Shout out to the one person who's watching right now. Salute. What do, what do, what do? Um, so back to this. Um, so the TMC assumed power. Um, protests turned violent. There were attacks. People shot um, protesters, which left... 118 dead. Some doctors are saying that that's probably conservative. They don't really know the real number. It could oh, be. Oh, damn. Higher. We appreciate y'all, man. <laughs> um, so the opposition. Oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. Um, we met back. Yeah. yeah, my bad. So the opposition group known as the Sudanese Professional Association has led demonstrators against the TMC. Um, a refreshing thing is that women are leading the charge in this group for the S the SPA. Um, as of today, negotiations are possible as attacks um, have been momentarily stopped. So that's kind of hope for something brighter. Um, but I think just in kind of in how we're talking about it, and I think, you know, you can probably attest to this, like the popular thing that we've been seeing on Instagram and Twitter is like kind of have the same energy you had to this. Then you had like the Paris church kind of being burned down. And, but I think that this also gets to like, I mean, I hate that like we always kind of like bring up Trump, but like stuff like shit like this does matter when your, your president calls shithole countries that shit like that has effects now. Like where that's it's like, why that's yeah. what I say the media because that should be a huge story and that this is happening. I've not really right now. covered this because I have like I haven't seen it on I haven't seen it on, on none like none. And that's what's kind of like frustrating about it because all I have seen is p- people aren't talking about it. Right. That's the main narrative of this. Like, I literally, that's the only thing, like, that's literally the only thing I have seen. So it, it's kind of messed up. And it goes back to speak what you were talking about. Media don't find it important because your debt name on president is like demon those countries as fucking right. shitholes. And also, this is country in Africa, it's I think um, Sudan is a majority Muslim nation. And I think I'm pretty sure Sudan was banned in maybe in Trump's original travel ban. I can't confirm that, but I'm pretty sure that is true. So I just think stuff like this it's like stuff like what Trump is doing and all the rhetoric and all the people he's hiring like this is when it really has consequences when like hey, we need a diplomat to go over there we need a secretary of state who's active in this stuff we need Trump to make a statement to pressure other European countries and other countries around the world to say, hey, we're not for this. Whatever the TNC is doing, they got to stop that. We're going to send aid. We're going to send like all these different groups down there. And that's just not happening. And I think this is when the person who runs the federal government really has a job because they are the diplomat in chief. And something is happening bad in Sudan and the media is not covering it and the president's not doing anything about it. If the president says something about it, the media will cover it. He not there, but yeah. That's, that's the point, right. It's like a vicious <laughs> cycle, but we just wanted to talk about the issue because I think I've seen a lot about it, and until I saw a lot about it, I didn't really know about it. Mm-hmm. But when I Googled it, searched it up, it's concerning because it doesn't seem like there's a, a clear path of how right, where, how it's going to end. Yeah. And this is how stuff happens, especially when the U.S. is just kind of saying... It's beyond, it's beyond me. It's above me now. It's above me. <laughs> so yeah, sorry to end on that note, but it's been episode 31. Yup. So subscribe. Get y'all out of here. Follow us on Twitter, underscore WRGO. Instagram, what's really going. YouTube, what's really going on. We are everywhere in your streaming platforms, everywhere in your ear. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Spotify SoundCloud. SoundCloud, IG Live, whatever you want. All that. Be there. Yo. So, holla at us. Oh, make my ass quick.